0: The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Shall we begin? Smiling to suspicious person.
1: You won't know who to trust. Let's begin.
0: Hello, fellow spy nerds, and welcome back to the Spies Like Us podcast. That's a podcast where myself, Todd, and my trusty buddy Dave over here. Say hi, Dave. Hey, hey. Uh, We like to talk about the uh, representation of tradecraft on screens big and small. Today we're headed for the big screen, or at least uh, once upon a time it was on the big screen. This was in 1967. Uh, We're really having ourselves a big old fat Harry Palmer fest. (laughs) Uh, We are going to talk about Billion Dollar Brain the third Harry Palmer movie. Um, it's the last one that stars Michael Caine and is based on a Lynn Dayton book. Michael Caine is not going to come back to this role until the nineties. Um, featured agencies. I did mention the year. It's nineteen sixty-seven. I hope. Yeah. Um, British film again. It's it's produced by Harry Saltzman of, uh, you know, James Bond movie production fame. Uh, Featured agencies this time around are going to be MI5 and the KGB and uh, a crazy private army uh, funded (laughs) by a a, a Texan oil bazillionaire. (laughs) Um, Right off the bat, I think I might want to quibble a little with them Uh, Well, sort. I mean, I say MI5, and the reason I say that is because at the very beginning of the movie, uh, Colonel Ross wants Harry Palmer to come back to MI5. Now, Harry Palmer was not working at MI5 in the first movie. We didn't watch the second movie, so I don't know what happened uh, in there. Um, But... You know, in the first movie, Ross was was military intelligence. And the agency that he kind of shunted Palmer into was a fictional one called Wook, uh, which represent, uh, reported directly to the Prime Minister. Um, it, it, in either event, I feel like the kind of work that's going on here would be better represented by MI6 than MI5. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, Dave?
2: Um, I'm not sure. Uh, because back then, I don't think there was a lot of information out about the agencies and what they did. Uh, so now we probably would say MI6. Um, especially a lot of this is dealt with... Isn't MI5 kind of like the more... Um, domestic one and the mi6 is the is like our cia version that's when that's what i would i would say it should be mi6 right
0: that's my understanding the the mnemonic that i was always taught is you remember mi5 starts with a f so you should be thinking fbi right and mi6 starts with an s sound and you should be thinking of the cia um (laughs) But regardless, um, it's not really clear and not super, I guess, kind of important at the end of the day. Um, Especially
2: not for this movie.
0: (laughs) Especially not for this movie. Um, Now, the Russians were implied but not explicitly stated in the 1965 Ipcrest file. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here, we're definitely talking KGB. And uh, in the first movie, we didn't get a chance to meet Colonel Gregor Stock of the KGB. Um, but apparently he was a character in the second movie. So that's why it'll make sense that Palmer and him know each other in this one. And also you will have met if you're following along with our um episodes of the new ITV television miniseries of the Ipcrest file, uh, you'll have met uh, a very cool version of stock in my opinion.
1: Yeah, <laughs> very much.
0: Um once again weirdly the the original novels never named the character. Uh if you go on wiki and look up Harry Palmer, uh you're going to find you're going to get shunted to the character called the unnamed man. Mm-hmm. Um this is based on the fourth of those novels uh although it's a third the third movie of the series the second novel not having been adapted. Um and we mentioned the Michael Caine situation. Uh, Saltzman produces again, uh, pretty much having bought the rights to all the books um, in the same year that he acquired the Ipcrest stuff. Uh, now, you might remember that the uh, Saltzman and the director of the Ipcrest file famously did not get along at all. Yeah. So. It's not surprise. It's not a huge surprise that uh, we have a new. It's not at all. It's not even a minor surprise <laughs> that there's a new director uh, showing up in this one. Um, and he also doesn't seem to have brought any of his regulars back over from the Bond film factory. Uh, you know, I think the music is done by someone else. The editing's done by some someone else. Uh, the the cinematographer was supposed to shoot this film, but would not submit to a medical examination. And so the production couldn't hire him. Uh, that seems just like a a weird sticking point. Um, I don't know. Maybe he had something going on he didn't want to come <laughs> to light. Uh, well, this director... Is is Ken Russell, and came at the recommendation of Kane after Kane had become friendly with him while doing narration work on some of Russell's television documentaries. Um, it's it's broadly thought that the choice of this director for this film was ultimately a mistake. Uh, that's an opinion shared by Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's shared by the director himself, who didn't really didn't really super want to do this movie even um and was kind of lured in by saltzman with uh like you know he had the the director had this other movie he kind of wanted to work on and saltzman said like yeah i'm i'm like interested in that but then once they started working together saltzman increasingly said like well you know maybe you should get a hollywood hit in under your belt first before we do that one and so he was just kind of doing it to like play the game and keep his foot uh in the door um, because the first two films were very successful. This one was not. So, maybe not a big surprise that we don't get any more <coughs> Harry Palmer movies. Right. For, for a, a while. while. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think, uh, let's see, I like this quote from, from Michael Caine saying he described Ken Russell as an emotional genius. And Billion Dollar Brain is a highly complicated thriller which needs a draftsman. The last thing you need is an emotional genius. Um, Russell himself said it was a mistake. I was working with people I didn't know. I was not enjoying them. Uh, You felt all the time that Saltzman was against him. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. And and we're going to get to talk about uh, the film in general. But... um, I don't think it's too early uh, to say that, well, what do you, what do you you think of the directing of this? Like, like, you know, without getting into too much detail, like how does this film just kind of hit you?
2: I don't pick up on like um, the director's fingerprints other than like style in general, but overall I felt like there was a lot of good ideas that didn't really get worked on and um, a lot of it felt really choppy. So I, 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 I'm I, not really sure what we watched, but uh, there's quite a bit that I think you and I are going to reach for to try and make sense of.
0: Right. I'm eventually going to land on the idea that I think there's actually possibly a really uh, like Kane alluded to um, a highly complicated and interesting spy story going on in this movie, but it's hidden from us. Yeah. And I think that's the director's job is to, you know, uh, show us, <laughs> tell us what's going on.
1: Right. <laughs> and
0: I don't think that's what's really happening here. Um, in my notes, uh, you know, at 25 minutes in, I wrote 25 minutes. I still have no idea what's going on. 45 minutes in, I wrote the same note. I still had no idea. Um, right. The uh, the film did not perform well. Now, Michael Caine had signed a contract with Saltzman to do five Palmer films, but possibly due to one or two or both of these reasons, uh, number one, the poor box office performance, and possibly due to the fact that even just making it, he might have realized it was kind of a shitty mess, uh, he convinced Saltzman to let him out of the contract, But he will come back to the, uh, again, he will come back to the Harry Palmer role in the 90s in a pair of made-for-TV movies. And we're going to cover the last one of those. uh, And that's going to close out our uh, Palmer Fest. Our Palmer Fest. Yeah. Um, How about expectations going in? What What were you looking forward to? Anything
2: I was hoping that they might have, you know, been like, wow, this first film was pretty dope. Uh, But there was a lot of rough around the edges. Let's clean it up a little bit. And, you know, I I try and grade older films on a curve because, you know, like uh, over the decades of film, um, there's a a lot of finding the art, you, you know, so to speak. Sure. You know, like, you know, it starts out where they're just like filming a play, you know, for the most part or they're just like following a book to the word, but once like camera tricks and angles and cuts and edits and like acting and close ups and pan and all this, you know, and paying attention to shit in the back, you know, um, I, I, like, you know, I, I give a lot of leeway to most films, uh, but, um, f- f- even for the time period that this film came out, uh, I'm, I'm really disappointed because I, I was expecting like them to like clean up the pot. Like, you know, the first one is just they're kind of like uh, getting their feet wet. And then, mm-hmm. we, you know, type sure. of them. especially since you have novels to drop. You know, this is this is my gripe with a lot of comic films. You, you have the storyboard. It's right there. Like, what are you doing messing with? Like you don't need to change the story much. Like, okay, you wanna like make this person this ethnicity or this gender, whatever. Or like maybe you wanna change like this one little thing or update like technology or whatever, but the the the, the fundamental story is there. Like there's like really deep shit going on, and I'm sure the novels of, of the the Ibcrest File series is like much more in depth than we got in this film. So I was I was a little disappointed.
0: Sure. Yeah, me as well. And, you know, uh, one thing, you know, we do definitely see, you know, the the 1960s is not where, uh, you know, uh, content makers or audiences were at nearly as uh, savvy about how intelligence stuff kind of actually works. Mm -hmm. And so we see a lot of things where people are just kind of not, I don't want to just say going through the motions, but like just Ooing and awing over the this new world that they're being introduced to not really questioning uh right. what's going on right. it also occurs to me right now so i mean obviously saltzman hated the director of the first film which is not to his credit i thought the first film ipcrest file is a brilliantly directed film um so but clearly there was another director for the second one saltzman didn't bring him along for this third one so you know some of this might be like saltzman you know just kind of maybe a little it, it i keep i keep hearing these hints that he's being too like i don't know involved <laughs> <laughs> um and you know he's probably i'm mean, i'm sure he's got a huge ego going from the fact that all like alongside these films his james bond films are doing fucking famously yeah you know they're yeah, well, knocking it the,
2: out of the park, yeah. That's that's the other thing that bugged me about this is it felt too much like they were trying to make a Bond film. And um there were so many like moments that were kinda out of nowhere. It kind of reminded me of the man who knew too much, the nineteen fifty six. So I think he was I think he was trying too much, and I think you're right that his ego might have gotten the best of them on this project.
0: Right. And who knows? Maybe it's possible that the magic is broccoli. Right. You know, broccoli <laughs> yeah. is the other uh, you know, Broccoli and Saltzman co-produced the Bond films. Um, and, and when I look at these and the stories I hear, I'm thinking like, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the magic is you know, it's a, it's a, uh, Paul. Oh God. Who are those two singers that famously, uh, oh my God. I'm, I'm crashing. I'm, I'm, I'm going off the road. My car's flipped over hello darkness my old friend i've come to see you once again those guys
1: oh okay
0: <laughs> who are the two guys i, I uh, paul simon paul simon oh, and the paul other guy Paul Simon, yeah or, yeah. or okay. paul and simon garfunkel right anyways like you know great stuff but when the curtain was pulled back it really looked like okay well it was really paul simon all the time right um, <laughs> i guess i guess some musicologists could quibble with me on that i'm not an expert on that subject um, Yell us an
2: email, send us an email or a tweet. Yell at us for not knowing Simon Garfunkel and Paul the other guy.
0: Art, it's Art Garfunkel. Art and... Garfunkel
2: and Paul Simon. There okay. we go. Okay. Okay.
0: Um I was excited I was excited to see Carl Malden in this film. And that's because like I grew up uh seeing Carl Malden do his traveler's checks commercials on tv uh the american express guy don't leave home without him you know he's warning you about all the shitty stuff that could happen and i kind of vaguely knew as a kid that uh i knew my dad like really respected him as an actor uh i knew he was on the sh- the streets of san francisco uh police show which i think i tried to watch as a kid didn't really like you know mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't science fiction enough for me <laughs> Yeah. Um. But overall, I I was kind of I felt kind of let down. I don't think Carl Malden was very good in this. Which one was he? That's Newbiggin. That's uh, oh Leo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. I I wasn't I wasn't terribly wasn't terribly interested in him, but you know my dad uh, tells me that um you know it's Malden is best known for performing in, you know, not starring in but having really really strong important roles into uh Marlon Brando movies, you know, like epic Marlon Brando movies, those being A Streetcar Named Desire and On the Waterfront. Um which I haven't seen either of those and uh I guess I should someday for sure. Um So the the Traveler's Checks thing, it's interesting. I just want to flag that uh, Wiki's going to tell us that during the filming of this movie, Carl Malden's uh, hotel was broken into and all of his money was stolen. Oh, wow. and and that was what inspired him to become the spokesman for American Express.
1: <laughs>
0: I find That's that cool. little a little hard to believe. It just seems a little pat. Yeah. Uh but but there's that.
2: Yeah, that does sound a little contrived.
0: Uh-huh. Like uh like his superhero origin story. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 um Donald Sutherland has two extremely tiny appearances in this movie. Oh, shit. I, th- I think Sutherland hadn't hit yet. I didn't know that. That's funny. Uh, he's got just a really tiny appearance as the computer technician who asks Carl Malden what's going on. Uh-huh. I guess that was it, be in the part later in the movie where Carl Malden is fucking around with the computer. And Sutherland also uh, provided the mechanical voice on the phone that is... Uh, Oh, so Carl uh, Donald Sutherland is the voice of the brain.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I think he has a lot more range than a monotonous robot. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> um, on a sad note, uh, holy shit! Actually, it's on my birthday. Um, if I had been born yet, which I hadn't, um, but um, oh my god, French. Oh, French! You, you, Francois Dolia. Hey, I'll let something you take like, the bullet on that one. The, <laughs> that's, like that. that's the act. The actor that plays Anya in this film. Uh, she was killed just five weeks after filming completed, and um, in an automobile accident. And uh, it's something. Some people wonder whether uh, some of the parts of the film we not as good because she wasn't available to record voiceover. Um, you know, for, for some of the scenes, I mean, there are, there is a weird one. Like uh, there's a weird part in the film where he's going to meet, he's supposedly going to meet, uh, not Carla, but what's the name of the scientist?
2: Uh, Karna. Karna.
0: Karna. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how will I know you? Well, I'll say the code phrase. And I think there's a weird scene where she, we see her saying the code phrase, but she's her lips aren't moving.
2: Oh really? <laughs> okay. Do you remember
0: like it I was Well like, when Palmer was, Fruits
2: meets her, she's the one that says the phrase because he's expecting Dr. Karna.
0: Right. And I don't know, just shit like that makes me wonder, like, was that for artistic merit or did they you know, did she die? And then and then in post-production, they were like, well, we, she has to say the phrase, and we didn't get it. You know, we didn't have them mic'd when they were out on the uh, ice, right? Okay. You know, like, always the plan was to record that voice later, like uh, you would do, because you can't disguise, like, a, a sound boom man guy out there. So, I mean, there might be some choppy bits that... Some of the choppy bits of the film possibly could be a victim of her untimely demise um, before the film was, like, actually finished, finished. Mm -hmm. Um, Context. Oops. Okay, so I ran away in my notes to go try to find that scientist's name. Um, Shit. Well, the only other thing I want to say before we go into the briefing room to start uh, tearing apart the tradecraft in this film is to say that I really did like the scenes of the convoy tr- trucks falling into the ice at the end.
2: Oh, that was great. I was like the only awesome part. And you know how much I hate like just ridiculous action. It-, it made sense. Here's a giant army trying to cross like a frozen what ice lake ocean sea thing. Yeah, they're um, like
0: they're like crossing from Finland to Russia over the over the frozen ocean or some shit like that.
2: So what they do is they bring some jets to like blow up the ice and sink the things. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of smart. That's, that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. It was a ton of good filming. Uh, it made me really nervous for the actors in the scene, watching them, you know, go down with these trucks. Like it looked like seriously dangerous stunt work that Uh, is probably illegal today.
1: (laughs) right damn Um, osha (laughs) (laughs) but
0: the ice itself is not ice it's all polystyrene huge slabs of polystyrene um and they filmed this all in a in a giant tank uh instead of instead of outside Um, that
2: must have cost a pretty penny
0: i'm sure it did but yeah really really pretty filmmaking and you know just to get it out of the way since mostly what we are here to talk about is not special effects but trade craft so uh, if I have anything like that, I want to flag. I just want to get it out of the way before we head into the briefing room. Um, quick check on a park bench. Uh, it's kind of a yes, kind of a no. There's a garden bench.
2: <laughs> oh, that's right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's kind of like a public. What are they? What are they at? What is that? Like a courtyard atrium? An at- yeah an atrium courtyard type uh something yeah i i told i i was so just baffled by this film i didn't even pay attention to that yeah we did we we got a half park bench
0: right <laughs> but we didn't use it as a park bench we didn't use it as a meeting spot to uh no you know, but sp-
2: cowboy and palmer were running surveillance right
0: that's true that's true yeah 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 all right so Uh, let's say it counts. Let's say this this movie does feature a park bench. (laughs) And if you're new to this show, park benches, our obsession with park benches, it's long and deep. Uh, we love to see two spies meet at a park bench in a movie. And that's why at the end of this show, when we rate the tradecraft of the movie, we do it on a park bench scale, one to five. Hell yeah. And (laughs) let's head into the briefing room so that we can really uh start talking about You know what, what we you should do is take yeah. a
2: trip to like different park benches and just get pictures of you and me at a park bench like just i don't know once a month to just drive out to like some random spot and sit on a park bench we should we, we could do a whole world tour of park benches
0: retinal scan complete validating security clearance clearance granted You may now enter the briefing room. So this is, uh, I think this is going to be one of those movies where, I mean, especially because it's so confounding, uh, what's going on. Like there's no way I would want to try to tackle this linearly. Um, you know, starting from the beginning of the movie. Um, so I want to work it backwards. I want to start with, you know, what is the, what's the big thing that we're trying to stop? What's our win condition in the movie? And often that starts with, uh, Uh, the villain of a spy movie and in this case the villain is midwinter uh general midwinter he's referred to as although uh, i didn't see any evidence that he actually had army service but i'm guessing he did
2: in that patent shot that we were (laughs) were joking about he's got like a whole general garb going i don't know if he actually earned those stripes but he's definitely rocking a patent
0: Yeah, they they
2: they like mixed up Patton shot with like Hitler type of vibe. It was, it was, it was weird.
0: Wow. You know what? I just Googled it. Patton doesn't come out till 1970. I was about to say, like, Midwinter has clearly seen Patton, but he hasn't.
2: <laughs> wow. Maybe Patton got the idea from this.
0: Wow.
2: That, fa- that really famous, like, uh, stage. That's. When I saw that, that's the first thing I thought, but they had him raised up like on a thing, like uh, at the top of a, uh, what are uh, like a balcony or some shit. So it, it definitely had some Hitler vibes to it.
0: Sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh wow. Amazing. Uh, Patton comes out after this. All right. Well, let's talk about billionaires real quick. Um, the movie is called billion dollar brain. Uh, I, you know, it's not stated, but let's, let's assume for just the moment real quick that uh, he spent a billion dollars on his computer. Uh, $1 billion in 1967 would be equivalent to 8.5 billion today. Uh, and the richest man in the world in 1967 was an Indian diamond mine magnet who at his death was worth about 3.8 billion. Um, so, if this guy like if this fictional character was like let's give him the benefit of the doubt, let's say he's worth four billion, right? Uh-huh. He, if he spent one billion on his computer, that's like twenty-five percent of his entire estate. Wow. So just wanted to put that in context. <laughs> um also I don't think he's getting his money's worth out of that computer. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I was happy to see the punch cards. I, I forget when was the last time we saw punch cards in a spy film. I think it's it was
0: Spy Sorge. Uh, I think.
2: Oh, there was Spy Sorge, but I think um, the the what was our man Flint had some had some uh, programming cards. Yeah,
0: our man Flint definitely had some some big clunky computers.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so that's always fun to see because you don't get to see that anymore. Um, oh,
0: but when when we do see the computer. You know, the, the computer room, they are showing the actual like Cray, uh, you know, computers that were like the super state of the art of the day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, wow, that also must have cost him some money and also seems unnecessary because how would audiences know? I would ju- I would say, no, let's just save a nickel and just show him some fake computers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: was- oh, you're saying that was an actual computer?
0: yeah yeah
2: oh wow i i thought that was all just uh oh wow that's really cool uh well they probably rented the space then that way they it probably would have cost them more to make a fake one
0: okay yeah yeah but also i don't know i don't know it's a funny one to me because i think i think crays were very rare at the time you know yeah um and and I don't know who actually owned them. I think only governments did. (laughs) Well,
2: if you notice the, uh, what are those called? Um, The reels for Uh the, uh, they had Honeywell on them. So I think that was product placement. So that might've been something that Honeywell paid for.
0: Oh, let me check real quick. You got me curious.
2: Yeah, well, and especially, like, last time we were talking about Fig, what was the movie? We, you were talking about the value of, oh, yeah, no, it was Zipcrest Filed the Show. We just discussed this, like, uh, being able to put a dollar on information. And I don't think we talk a lot about that on our show. And I think I think that's kind of cool to kind of bring up sometime.
0: Oh, my God, dude. Honeywell still makes computers.
2: Are you saying? Wow. Yep. Yeah. They probably make those uh, like, make, giant mainframes or something.
0: They make, they make, uh, today they make, uh, mobile and vehicle mounted computers. Um, oh. for, for specialized stuff. And they make, uh, handheld stuff for in store merchandising. Like, uh, and, oh, like POS. Huh? Oh,
2: yeah. Or like, like a POS system gun or like inventory. Or like, gun. I think.
0: I think I'm thinking of like the little handheld computers that like UPS drivers carry around. Yeah, the, or- the guns.
2: The the scan the oh, scan yeah, 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 yeah. thingies. And then like at the at a POS in a retail store they, they have those guns.
0: Okay. All right, cool. Um so anyways, midwinter. Um he's fucking crazy. Yeah, (laughs) and when we meet him and we don't meet him for a long time in this film but we need to figure out what he's up to in order for anything else to even possibly make sense because everything has to do with midwinter right
1: right (laughs) that's the whole reason
0: we're here um he and and that's why it's it's when he shows up in the movie at a you know definitely past 45 minutes but not too far i think it's about halfway in and he goes off and explains basically everything <laughs> to, yeah. to Palmer that I actually kind of actually felt a little relieved. I was like, oh, my God, now I feel like I'm starting at this very late time to actually have some kind of clue of what's going on here. Right. <laughs> However, we have problems with that. Can you tell us some some of them?
2: Well, the one – I mean, like uh, what made my number two worst tradecraft is – this is like a giant billion dollar oil tycoon that has raised the military. Um and he he does kinda talk some shit to Palmer that he thinks he's a traitor because there's photography of him with like the KGB. Um but I, I I would like to think uh like a like a giant Texas like oil tycoon would have invested in some amount of Intel. And I, I guess Leo is that guy. But I would I would like to think he would have a more established like network, um, especially with like the amount of money and like international global oil refineries he has. I he has a business network. He has like a computer network. He has like a like I, I would I I'd like to think someone who got to his level of billionaire status would have like some sort of intelligence network, and he doesn't. So it that- feel
0: it feels like Newbiggin is his only intelligence operative right and that feels weird and also like you know I'll come to you later and give my uh you know my minus spy points for the fact that he's got nobody you know as well at the office that can corroborate any of Newbiggin's reports back right
2: uh, like this guy is built like an oil Empire and he can't like figure out that you know he's not gonna put all his eggs in one basket like He's kind of a buffoon and his ego kind of gets the best of him. But with the sophistication of his business and his computers and his staff and his army, I I, I don't believe that this guy wouldn't have had someone else verify this information and just put all of his, like, reliance on a Latvian, like, uh, infiltration fighting back the Russians on this one American guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And as much as I appreciated as an audience member that someone finally showed up in the movie to start explaining things, uh, it's going down as my worst tradecraft ranked number three of the film, just on how enthusiastic he is about telling Palmer, like just showing him everything and telling him everything. (laughs) um and yeah. he's got no i mean he's got no basis of he's got no basis to trust this guy uh at the at the very most it's somebody that newbigin recommended to him yeah and i guess maybe the computer you know picked out and said was a good guy since he seems to be basing all his decisions on what the computer and my brain is never wrong you know well, I was
2: just about to point that out and and I think we should discuss the AI cuz we we talked about it a little bit and I don't know if we have like a section to discuss this but I wanted the AI to be more of a character in this film cuz it's the the name is billion dollar brain and it's obviously the computer so maybe he's just became so reliant on this technology that he doesn't need to think about it I guess I, but I still don't buy it.
0: I share, I share your disappointment with the computer being uh, not nearly as important of a story element as it should have been and as the movie title suggests uh, it would be. Um, I mean, New Biggin gets to have some fun. Uh, fucking with the computer. He's basically feeding it bad information.
2: Oh, by the way, oh, I put that in my notes. Hacking, hacking fucking card programming. I, 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 I never <laughs> even thought, you know, because I've never seen one of these, like, program card computers, and I've never, like, got to work on one or, like, you know, any of this. You just hear about it. You take a programming class, even, like, a basic one, and they always like, yeah, computers used to be the size of, like, a warehouse, and they would use program cards. And you talk to your parents or your grandparents are like, yeah, if you lost one card, it would fuck up your whole program, you know? But, like, we actually get to see someone, like, hack, you know? <coughs> like, we're watching all these hacking films or spy films where people are hacking, so we got, like, a nice little – little program card hack side plus spy points for that. That was fun.
0: Sure. Um, But <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's, it's new big and who gets to do it. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's uh I think a recurring theme that I'm going to keep hitting on here over the course of our discussion of like how everyone seems to have fun stuff to do in this movie, except for our hero. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would like to, I would like this movie to have spun on at least one plot point where Palmer fucks with the computer, where Palmer has to, uh, realize, you know, this, um, you know, I, I think understated theme in this movie of, you know, the, the, the classic, uh, Thing about computers is like garbage in garbage out like yeah. they're the ultimate garbage in garbage out machines yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> you can't even make the tiniest of mistakes um but yeah but I you know just huge missed opportunity like I wanted I wanted the movie to somehow uh, revolve around Palmer figuring out the program that the computer is running and just just giving it this one... You know, bad piece of information that changes everything. And then all of a sudden, ha ha, we win and we all get to applaud. Yeah. The cleverness of Palmer.
2: Yeah. He's kind of just along for the ride.
0: He is so Um, along. He is so fucking along for this ride.
2: He he does a lot of cool little things, but they're not impactful on the story whatsoever.
0: Yeah. We're, we're going to, we're going to litigate him hard. Yeah. (laughs) Later. Um, but to finish up or not to, to continue along uh midwinter um so okay his plan we got to state the plan clearly his plan is to fund and plant revolutionary forces in the soviet union which of course at this time the soviet union it's not just russia it's got all these satellite nations that it's basically dominating
1: mm-hmm.
0: in its in its region and and right now he's going to start with latvia I don't know much about Latvia. I did check it briefly on the wiki. Um, you know, it's it shares a border with Russia. It's fairly close to Moscow. Uh, it's south of Finland. Um, you know, it's it's on the sea. Uh, there is, or at least at the time, and I think currently too, Latvia is principally Christian. Uh, and seems to have been upset at the time about the crush of Soviet atheism. This is something I didn't know, or maybe I don't think I ever realized about the Soviet Union. Uh, oh, and maybe yeah, maybe it, I'm drawing too much from this one article, but I mean, Russia itself is generally clocks Christian these days,
2: but um, most and, his,
0: and historically, like. Yeah, but
2: the the Soviet Union was very atheist. Right. Yeah, it was very, very, very... Like, most communisms are very, very atheist. And even if... Like, in China, there's multiple religions that exist, but it's, like, state-sanctioned. And, like, you have to follow... Like, it's not like you would think, like... Oh, this country is like Islamic, and this country is Christian, and this country is Buddhist, or this country is Hindu. No, like in in most communist countries, even if a religion was sanctioned by the state, it had to follow very strict like protocols or something like that.
0: Is, but, oh, go ahead. Now I'm curious: is Taoism Chinese? I mean, the, I think the Tao was
2: written in China, but I believe Taoism is is believed all over the world. Okay. Uh, okay. But China, China itself has a bunch of different, you know, Zen Buddhism came out of China, but Buddhism comes, I believe, from India. Um, but, you know, there's there's Christians in China. There's there's uh, I'm sure there are Muslims. But from what I understand, they're all like, you know, like uh, from from what we understand of I mean, I don't want to say too much because I'm not an expert on China. But from what I understand of China, like it has to be state sanctioned, Right. right? But, and,
0: and under the current under the current regime. Correct. And and again, take taking your note that like, yeah, communist regimes, uh, generally, uh, they're not looking they're not looking to uh, promote freedom of religion. Uh, at the most, they might like slightly tolerate it. So it does make sense because, uh, you know, midwinter is definitely Christian. Um, yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if I'd say that, uh, but he, I think
0: he thinks he is <laughs> right, right. Of course. Of course.
2: <laughs> uh, no, well, there's but, a uh,
0: lot of flavor. There's a lot of flavors of Christianity out there. Absolutely. <laughs> uh,
2: no, no. Cause I, I like, I'm looking at, at your notes here where he's like, he is very Christian. Like, cause when we first meet him, he's given like a, there's like a pitchfork, like bonfire, like hype, uh, you know, like when colleges do the uh, what's that called? Um, uh, before like a big game with the rival, like a rally. It, rally. Yeah, rally. yeah. It's like a huge like flame bonfire rally where he's like doing this big like speech, like "God bless the United States of America, and we're gonna go kill those communists." You know, and uh, I I, th- I thought that was a. I I actually like saw him as like kind of becoming like a Stalin. So like, he's like, adamantly, adamantly, like just angrily, like just completely blind with rage, trying to destroy communism. And I'm starting to, as we're getting to know him, I'm starting to see him as like this authoritarian leader, dictator type, you know, very right wing, you know, like, so he's, he's kind of like, like, like from, from like his side of the spectrum, he would probably be more, um, uh, fascist than communist. And that's probably why he's so angry about it. But like you, you, watch him talk and behave and it's like, bro, like you're kind of behaving like the dudes you're trying to get rid of. Um, yeah. So I, I think there was something there and the director forgot to make it.
0: <laughs> hmm. Well, of course it is a British film, although, yeah. and I, and I'm not sure, but the director might be Canadian. Uh, I, I forget if I, I'm pulling that from the um the the first movie. No, it was the first movie. It was a Canadian director. I don't know the nationality of this director. Although he was most known for doing British TV stuff. So I think he right. is British. So let's remember this is a you know, I would call like an insane version of or insane vision, I meant to say, of <laughs> American fervor. Oh, um, yeah. This Absolutely. is yeah, we gotta we gotta remember this is not a, an an American movie; it's a British movie. Yeah, uh, so that's why I think uh, you know the Texans. I think look a, a little bit clownish.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's that scene where he's just shooting after his rally, and he like shoots until he runs out of ammo and runs to the the wall to grab another gun to just shoot. Like that's just like his favorite thing to do after a pump up rally is just like shoot guns aim, and he's not hitting anything. But, oh, yeah, he wasn't he shooting at, like, a, a Lennon doll or yeah, something? Yeah, he's like got,
0: that? like, a cardboard cutout of Lennon <laughs> at the end of his shooting range.
2: <laughs> he's just unloading, like, like un, indiscreetly unloading, just like, ha, 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 ha. He's definitely a cartoon version of, like, an American gun nut.
0: Right, it's a super frothy performance. Now, by the way, the actor this is Ed Begley. This Uh, is the this is the reason that uh, the actor that we know as Ed Begley Jr. is called Ed Begley Jr. Uh, is because this is his famous acting dad. Um, You know, famous to a to a previous generation than ours. (laughs) Uh, I did take a quick look at his uh, body of work. The only role that I even recognize. Uh, from him is uh, he was in the original 12 angry men. I can easily imagine him as having been one of the angriest uh, because this is a very frothy performance.
2: <laughs> he definitely is an angry person.
0: <laughs> yes. um, You know, uh, the, okay. Like regardless of whether we, necessarily code him as christian i think he codes himself as christian and his vision of himself as a christian savior seems to be very important to him he's going in the totally like wrong dark bad corners of this uh his military logo definitely seems to be meant to evoke a swastika at one point it's even very very obviously surrounded by at the rally you were talking about about like the the classic iron eagle wings yeah that you would see around around a uh, swastika so and then his mm-hmm. you know I, and let's let's also mention too like it's interesting how you know this is 1967 the soviet union is a big threat britain is not sleeping on the soviet threat uh so it's kind of interesting seeing how much Uh, leash this story is giving to show like to paint fervent anti-soviet sentimentality as a bad thing you know what i'm saying um Uh, like the soviets i mean to the british audience the soviets are enemies in 1967 right
2: well, this would have been, like, when the Cold War started gaining, like, a lot of momentum. And, I, you know, there this this would have been around the time. Oh, wait, well, this... No, the the big Iron Curtain propaganda would have been in the 50s and early 60s, right? But still, you know, to England, we might have been looking like some crazed... Because it's like, with, with general... Um, the general like kept calling Palmer, like you Europeans are loving the communists and stuff like that. So maybe this is kind of like from a British lens that maybe we went like a little crazy on, on the red scare versus England. Like at least the I the public might've seen it as like, well, we won the war. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to not be crazy, angry people like, you know, Hitler or, like you got to calm down buddy
0: well certainly I- too like uh, okay so like you say cold war heating up um at least in the in the tv series we're talking about uh you know which is you know painting the same time period mm-hmm. uh so this might be a time period where we know that the us has a nuke but we don't we haven't confirmed that the soviet union does mm-hmm. and maybe britain is you know as a collective psyche is feeling a little bit scared about being kind of pushed to the sidelines and watching this really really crazy Soviet Union and this really really crazy United States <laughs> starting to ramp up this cold war in ways that they find disturbing uh and um you know possibly have some really bad consequences along the line
2: yeah they they kind of that's kind of how I feel about what they were trying to accomplish at least in this film uh i don't know what british sentiment was at the time and especially when the book was written cuz this probably the book was probably written before this happened right
0: uh well the book would have to i mean the book is written i don't know in like 1965 i think they turned them around pretty fast uh, maybe okay. 1964 right um yeah so the same i mean the same kind of like news events would would pertain i think
2: yeah Mm.
0: but But yeah I'm on board
2: with you like I think that might have been the purpose of what's going on but again like I don't I think there was a lot of missed opportunities or just bad executions in this film
0: now Midwinter does have a huge private army of his own and even when he is faced later with the fact that his Latvian uprising is an illusion which we'll talk about later Mm -hmm. uh, he'll go ahead and invade on his own And also part of his plan involves unleashing a virus attack on the Russian army. Um, The virus he plans to unleash is contained in a set of eggs, which I also want to talk about in more detail later. But right now I just wanted to mention that um, the, the virus attack of the eggs is never explained how the virus would be unleashed on the red army. I feel like everyone, I feel like in every scene involving the eggs, like someone like they're playing the scene correctly, but zooming out and looking at the larger picture, you never understood like, well, how were the red army supposed to be infected uh, there's even a part, like there's even a brief period, you know, when Palmer visits Texas that like he's assigned that job. Like, you know, Midwinter is like, okay, uh new biggin, you get to work on those Latvians, and Palmer, you get to work on infecting the Red Army with the with the virus, which Palmer <laughs> obviously doesn't do anything about it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: there's even a part at the beginning of the attack, I I'm pretty sure like he just yells to nobody in particular like release the virus you know now is the time and <laughs> <laughs> I imagine I imagine someone in the background responding like uh you know and I don't think he even is giving the order to anyone directly he's just shouting it out yeah. <laughs> and like someone in the background I want to imagine saying like okay sir uh yep uh I'll uh get right on that <laughs> um how exactly
2: yeah yeah i want to know how this guy gets stuff done <laughs> this is how he's run his like giant oil temp empire i i, I want to have met like uh i don't know a vice or like a secretary that's like the real uh power behind the throne Ooh, or something. sure yeah that, that would have been
0: nice or to have some kind of precipitous event like maybe this guy like was you know, kind of sane up until kind of recently, but maybe something happened in his life that has driven him over the edge. Yeah. But the way, the way it's presented, it just seems like if, like, if this is the way this guy does business, he should not be a billionaire.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Something should have gone wrong at some point.
0: <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Uh, And and we'll see that really clearly, because, okay, so now having stated really clearly, like, his plan, it's the challenge of the movie. The win condition for us, the good guys, is to stop him from attacking Russia. Right. He's got three problems, and he doesn't know about any of them, and I want to talk about each of them in turn, but I'm going to name them right now. Uh, One of his problems... His number one agent in Latvia, who's supposed to be uh, funding and getting these rebels all set up, is totally betraying him. Uh, And I already mentioned Minus Spy Points for not having anyone that can corroborate New Biggins' reports. He's just taking everything that guy says on faith. Uh, Also, he doesn't know that Colonel Stock of the KGB is at least aware enough of the plan to have uh, planted his agent Anya in with new biggin uh which is kind of cool like like this is why i'm saying like there's there's a spy there's a good spy story here because ani is such a great character she's working for Stock, she's working for new biggin both of which are working against midwinter it's cool stuff yeah but it's totally obscured to me um (laughs) and then finally colonel ross of i guess mi5 at this point uh, is aware at least about the virus attack. The reason for this is because those eggs were stolen from British laboratories, and he has an agent implanted in the Latvian Crusade for Freedom. That's the people that Newbiggin is supposed to be funding, but really hasn't been. He's been pocketing all the money. Yeah. So those are our three. Those are the three big problems that Midwinter has. And again, he doesn't know about any of them. Uh, and then uh, I want to talk about those in turn and then uh, kind of round out what the eggs do. And then we'll finally get to uh, see, you know, we'll talk about Palmer at every step along the way. But at the end, we'll, we'll go back and, and revisit Palmer. And that's kind of how I want to structure this. Let's go to New Biggin. All right. This guy is uh, this this the uh, played by Carl Malden. He's eventually revealed to be a simple mercenary. He's just taking money for himself. Yeah. Uh, that's that's all he cares about, money. He's not ideology, he's not whatever C and E are. Um, and he's also feeding misinformation to the brain. He's he wants the eggs. Uh, he knows the eggs are going to be delivered to a scientist named Karna. But he wants to get the eggs for himself. Uh, to that end, somehow, like Anya has uh, killed Karna and Le- uh, Newbigin is imposterizing him. I couldn't think of a better word for that. Like what's what's the word for like when, uh, you know, grandma was killed and the wolf gets in her clothes and pretends to be her. Imposterize is that a word?
2: Uh, I don't think so, but what is that stolen identity? <laughs> identity theft these days, that's kind of what that would be.
0: Sure, um,
2: like he's portraying himself as Dr. Karna,
0: right? He's uh pretending that he lives at Karna's address. That's one of the few plus spy points that we'll get for Harry Palmer. Well, No, 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 he has
2: his own place. Uh, okay. actually this leads into my number three best tradecraft um, uh, when Palmer first finds out about the plan he does his due diligence and goes and checks on the information and he looks up the phone book to find Dr. Karna and finds Dr. Karna's uh, address and then he's dead uh, so, so that made my number three best tradecraft and this is like really one of the only things that Palmer gets to do or at least one of the few things he does um, I, I, that's good. That's good work, right there. Is is uh double checking who you who you're working with because nobody else does it in the movie,
0: right? Oh yeah, nobody <laughs> really. <laughs> um, let's remember two new big in, I mean, now it's never stated what his training and background is. I know that Carl Malden doesn't star in the second movie. So I don't think Newbigin is a character that we're supposed to, like, know. But, um, you know, supposedly, like, him and Palmer definitely know each other. You know, Newbigin describes Palmer as the only man he can trust. Um, but one thing we never do get to find out is what Newbigin's training and background really are. Um, he just comes across to me as, like, kind of a competent, semi-competent con man. Yeah. Uh, And not having any, like, actual intelligence training. Um, but if he had any intelligence training at all, any at all, and I mean, like, day fucking one, like, he <laughs> should have seen Anya coming a mile away.
2: Oh, yeah. O- obvious uh, honey trap, right?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he even comments, you know, he makes comments about, like, you know, just, like, I was like sitting on the wrong side of 45 ready for the rocking chair. And just all of a sudden this beautiful fucking sexy woman <laughs> wants to have sexy, sexy times with me and, <laughs> and do whatever I say. Yeah. What are the odds?
2: I know, right? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, obviously too good to be true.
0: Uh, So skipping ahead and trying okay so as as far as i can tell just new just only cares about money uh i don't see any evidence of of anything else so now obviously the one part of his plan is working out great where uh you know midwinter is sending him money to fund this latvian army and new is just like putting the money in his pocket and saying yep latvian army's ready anytime you want boss <laughs> <laughs> uh which seems to be enough but then at the end of the movie we'll also see like he does like again he has an interest in the eggs he wants to get his hands on the virus uh and and not and and for his own personal reasons not just because uh you know of any uh you know trying to prosecute the plans of midwinter and the only reason i can think of and it it fit it fills so many holes nicely enough at the end of the movie, I can only guess that the reason he's trying to take the eggs to Moscow is cuz he thinks he can get money for them. It's mm-hmm. never stated, but would would you believe that? Uh no. No. Why do you I, think he wants the eggs then?
2: I Oh, he wants the eggs for the money. I oh, I thought you were saying that he had like some other plan for them. Sorry. Oh, mis- right. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally misunderstood. Dude, the the eggs are such a weird uh, what's a uh, MacGuffin? You know what I mean. This this is the MacGuffin for the film, right? Even though we're not really like super focused on them, it's um, not
0: a pure MacGuffin, but it is it is it is a MacGuffin, yeah.
2: Yeah, and and it's it's it, again, I feel like it's like you know the missed opportunity with the AI. Like, okay, yeah, it's a deadly virus. All right. Uh, okay, but who really wants them? We know Midwinter, General Midwinter, wants them so he could unleash like a huge, like, bio warfare on on the Russian army. Uh, but why does Anya or the Russians want them other than to keep them away from Midwinter? Why does why is Leo trying to get them to the Russians other than I guess trying to keep them away from Midwinter? Like, are the Russians going to pay him? They never said that.
0: They never said that, but it fits. It fits with Leo's profile enough right. that I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Occam's razor and say that, like, the simplest solution is probably the most accurate. and uh, that he thinks, because it makes sense. Like, um, if you show up, if I'm new in, and I show up in Moscow and say, "Hey guys, so check this out," this crazy Texan was gonna. Uh, this crazy Texan stole these super secret viruses from the British and we're going to use them on your army. But instead I stole them, saved your army and I'm willing to hand them over for a price. Right. (laughs) Totally fits. Right.
2: It it definitely fits. Yeah. And if we had seen that, I think this would have been a much better movie.
0: (laughs) It's totally stuff like that is what we're missing. Yeah. Um, so, now, uh, okay, so Newbigin, though, like, seems to be welcoming Palmer in and, and being happy. Like, he's not surprised to see Palmer. So, uh, I don't know, is it early enough? Is is it is it a good time to talk about, like, why did the brain tell Palmer to take the eggs to Newbigin? Or, no, sorry. The brain told Palmer to take the eggs to Karna. But Karna is dead, Newbigin's pretending to be Karna. That's how he's gonna get the eggs, but why Palmer?
2: Oh, you mean at the very beginning of the film,
0: very beginning of the film, oh this is like the hook that gets Palmer involved in the first place the the brain wait a minute.
2: that's wait, I didn't even think about that. It was the computer that calls him, oh, oh, so maybe the computer was lying, and he's supposed to meet Karna. And Karna, so okay. Because okay. Uh who is it? Ross is our British agent. Yes. Um Ross wanted to come him to come back and join. Ross wanted Palmer to get the eggs from Karna. Uh wait, what the fuck?
0: Is Actually, it the same computer? I know, I is it know. the same
2: computer? Wait, why so, the, okay. If if it's the same computer that has Palmer come bring the eggs to Doctor Karna, and right? Computer is giving the orders to Leo and Anya and Midwinter and whatever. Then the computer would have known that Karna was killed. But we have Ross. Oh, wait, 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 wait!
0: I don't know. Okay, well, I'll I'll follow your logic, but but I'll put a pin in that. I don't think the computer knows that. But keep going.
2: Oh, I think the computer does, because the, the the Leo's the one taking orders from the computer, and that computer is dealing is this is it's the same computer that's dealing with Midwinter, right? It's not it's not Leo's computer,
0: right? It yeah it's yeah it's it's Midwinter's computer,
2: like but it's his Newbigin, satellite computer from the major big one, right?
0: But Newbigin all the way all along, or we'll find out later. Like he's been feeding bad information to the computer. To his own ends.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So w- there's like a scene like after uh, when, when Palmer goes to check out uh, on Karna um, and, uh, you know, he gets picked up by those thugs. Those thugs were sent by Ross. So Ross probably, uh, Ross makes like a comment, like I had to get you back in and this is how you wanted it. You wanted me to like actually kidnap you back in type of thing. So I'm wondering if maybe the mi5 have their own computer and the mi and the mi5 had him go get the eggs from Karna to bring them to England to keep them away from midwinter.
0: All right, when you say him, who's him? Palmer. Okay, it totally falls apart there. if you if Palmer's gonna pick up the eggs, why send them to Finland just to bring them back if If you know that Palmer's got the eggs, you just say, hey, Palmer, give me the eggs. And, and you save a oh! round-trip ticket to Finland.
2: <laughs> Wait, that's right.
0: So here's my question to you. Here's my question to you. Like, or, uh, okay. Well, I can run down the list of suspects. I think there's only one that even makes slight sense. And even it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. So here, here's one. Like, just massive coincidence. The brain looked at, like, all the people in the world and decided that Palmer was a good choice. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. I don't like that one. Um, It can't be Ross, because if Ross knows that Palmer's going to take the eggs, then it's just, like, game over on the eggs. Right. You know, you're done on square one. Right. Um, Stock... Doesn't have access. Stock and Anya don't have access to manipulate the brain, right. and that leads me finally to just one person that has access to manipulate the brain to choose Palmer as the courier, and that's Newbiggin. Okay. And also notice Newbiggin is not surprised to see palmer show up in his steam room in finland right he was
2: like you brought me my best friend and the only man i trust and stuff like that
0: right so i think uh and i mean okay so what i've done is like i've done a i think i've done a great funnel of logic that's going to lead us to only one conclusion and then i'm going to tell you how that conclusion also doesn't make any sense to me
2: (laughs) Yeah, but what doesn't make sense is why the computer would send him to meet a Dr. Karna and just have him go and meet somebody. There was no point other than the film introducing that there is this Dr. Karna who's dead anyway. Uh, there, there was no point for the computer to do that.
0: Here's and- here's here's how I run it. Uh, Newbigin somehow tells the computer, Harry Palmer is the guy for this job. Mm-hmm uh and that's done for his own personal reasons he wants palmer involved uh and actually that's that's or, or, now uh newbegin knows that he can't he can't tell the computer like he can't tell the computer just hey send my best friend to pick up the eggs and tell him to bring them to me that might raise the computer's suspicions it's it's more subtle it's like uh more like okay computer you want the eggs delivered to karna uh i do know a, an excellent choice of a courier that would be harry palmer check out his profile and then the brain checks out his profile the brain agrees with him somehow that palmer is a good choice and and that's why palmer is sent to send them to karna but Karna uh newbigin has already figured out his way to kill and imposterize and intercept the eggs that way. And then now he actually, now he has Palmer, his old buddy in play with him.
2: Mm -hmm. But why even send him to bring, I mean, it seems to me like the computer wants the eggs for midwinter. Correct. Why would Dr. Karna need them? Especially since Dr. Karna, we find out later is working for Ross Right. Right. I don't
0: think the computer knows that. I think the computer Uh, wants the eggs to go to Karna. uh, I think Newbigin wants the eggs to go to himself.
2: Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay.
0: But it still leaves us, even all that funnel of logic to the only, to me, logical conclusion, still leaves us absolutely wondering why Newbigin wants Palmer unless you accept the idea that it's a complete massive coincidence which I am not willing to accept here I'm I'm not willing <laughs> to accept that uh, not only on its sheer coincidental value but also the fact that uh, Ross visited Palmer this is the first scene of the movie before we even get to credits Palmer or Ross wants to recruit Palmer back into mi5 why it's got to be because of the eggs. Right. Has to be because of the eggs yeah, yeah so so we're still left with why new biggin wants palmer around and this uh just spirals into a bunch of nonsense because at every step new biggin is lucy and palmer is charlie brown and <laughs> i can't even count the number of times that uh new biggin snatches the football away from Palmer <laughs> and Palmer just like, just keeps coming back. Like we said, like he's along for the ride. Right. He's on rails, dude. I
2: guess that makes sense ish. I, uh, I, I don't, I, I I guess what you're saying is that the computer wanted Palmer to bring the eggs to yeah. Dr. Karna Leo wanted the eggs, so he has Karna killed. He gets the eggs, right? Tells the computer that Karna was killed, but he got the eggs secured, so everything's okay, right? Yeah. I, I guess that's the only explanation we can think of.
0: That's that's the only one I could come up with, but it still leaves me with the burning question, which I don't think can be answered, and I'm willing to leave as a hanging Chad. Okay on this story of like, why Palmer?
2: Um, The only thing I can think of is because Leo, when he first meets him talks about, Oh, he saved my life. And Palmer's like, you had the keys to the car. (laughs)
0: which is a good line yeah
2: that was a really good line so i don't know maybe maybe he's just pretending to be buddies they you know usually in a situation like that like they weren't really friends they were just kind of like shoved together by fate or something and 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 maybe uh, leo's just looking for like a a nice um you know someone to take the fall for him well maybe and and i
0: Right, right. Yeah, definitely looking for someone to take the fall for him. Why choose Palmer? We don't know. Yeah. Um, And it gets, actually, it gets even worse, too, with the the coincidence of Ross trying to recruit Palmer specifically. Now, Palmer and Ross don't get along. Like, we don't know. I mean, we know that they parted on bad terms in the first movie. Yeah. We don't know what happened in the second movie. But apparently their relationship has not improved. Mm-hmm. Um so why Ross wants to pick like okay Ross wants the eggs that's mm-hmm. his win condition like i assume uh you know because i have no evidence to the contrary that Ross doesn't know anything about anything except the fact that his eggs have been stolen and he wants them back mm-hmm. right he doesn't need to know anything about midwinter or, or Latvia for, for his stuff to even try to make sense. Um, why, in that case, so you got some missing eggs. It's a bad situation. Why do you go to visit this one guy that hates you and quit his job a long time ago, mainly to get away from you, <laughs> and entrust him to get your eggs back for you. Uh the only conclusion, I mean again,
2: well we probably I can't can trust th- him. That's that's probably what you it is. think yeah. <laughs> like, like he probably like look, I know you don't like me, you don't I don't like you very much, but I know you get the job done. You know, it's kind of like in the first film where it ends. Where he's like I knew you'd be a pain in the ass. You know, yeah. I sent you to Dolby, you know. So it's like he knows palmer's a good man you know and like will do the job you know um so i th- i think that's what he's thinking
0: but i did but it still sucks though right yeah. like it it still sucks yeah <laughs> like even if it make even if it makes that kind of sense it's it's like it's like movie logic it's like how do we get how do we get palmer into this film right people <laughs> want to see michael Caine.
2: right um I did want to point out, though, uh, didn't make my best and worst list, but um, I did want to give plus spy points um, for the whole thing about the stealing of the eggs. If the eggs are in a locker, that means somebody stole them and put them in the locker. I agree. And they, want, they want Palmer to pick up the eggs and take them to Karna or Leo or whoever the the computer on the phone doesn't give him very much information he just says look you've just been given 200 pounds and a key you need to go to the airport use the key open the locker take the contents and take it to finland once you get there you'll get another 200 pounds i really like the separation of parties you know we discuss this a lot in a lot of spy films Um, whoever stole the eggs doesn't know who's picking them up, right?
0: I'm sorry. Say that again.
2: Whoever stole the eggs doesn't know who's picking them up, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's levels of separation. Yes. We like that. We like that. And then then
2: the one who picked them up didn't know who stole the eggs. Then the one who picked them up, which is Palmer, goes to deliver them. You know, there's a nice sep, and and then who gets them? They're not sure who they're really. But this all goes to midwin too, right? So I, I like this separation, and I, I have plus buy points on that one.
0: All right, cool. Uh, you know, it's a good time. I'm gonna jump ahead and mention that I did the, I, I ran the numbers on the 200 pounds. Uh-huh. I mean, to you and me, I mean, like, dude, uh, to to you and me, like 200 pounds sounds like I don't know 200 bucks, right?
2: Well back then it probably would have been more. I think the pound Exact. Yeah, exactly. 400 so like bucks, right? Yeah. So
0: so I was a little iffy on like, you know, wait, you want me to, you know, a trust a weird computer voice and and have me get on a plane to Finland for 200 bucks? Fuck you.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, back then that would have been a lot more.
0: I ran the numbers. Oh, uh man. what what you're looking at in today's doll it that uh 400 pounds, so he's getting 200 for pickup 200 for delivery uh in 1965 i couldn't narrow it down to 67 but that's 400 pounds back then is eight thousand pounds today which oh. translates into over ten thousand dollars wow. so so i like that that math held up you know uh you know as far as like why would i you know especially if my detective agency is struggling and i need some money like yeah will i Take a plane to Latvia and back for and and not be told what I'm doing or why for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I might.
2: Right. I might. <laughs> It'd be tempting. Yeah, it it, it it would it would be tempting.
0: It's it's within the realm of logic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, wow, inflation, dude. Two hundred two hundred pounds in nineteen sixty five translates to eight thousand pounds today. that's nuts we're talking about billionaires too uh i ran into some uh a fun fact about uh henry ford who was uh the first billionaire uh now what's whatchamacallit that other guy uh claimed to be a billionaire first but it's actually uh it's rock Rockefeller. Rockefeller.
2: oh okay
0: Uh, but, uh, historians have, have basically figured out like he wasn't actually a billionaire before Henry Ford was Henry Ford. Fun fact, uh, increased his fortune from 100 million to 1 billion in the span of eight years. Wow. Wow. Indeed.
2: That's incredible.
0: That's what, that's what you get for inventing the fucking car. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he was also like a visionary, like, well, we're not talking business on this podcast, but sure. he went like, just as far as like running business, managing employees, you know, quality of life. Like, you know, I think he was the first to establish the 40 hour work week, you know, it, it's just, yeah. I'm not surprised that he grew it that fast.
0: Yeah, Henry Henry Ford absolutely. uh, Unless there's some dark secrets that I have not heard about him, like whipping, you know, Puerto Rican chickens in his bedroom, (laughs) (laughs) or some shit. Uh, Unless, unless I've missed a memo, Henry Ford absolutely one of America's true uh, heroes of industry. Yeah. Um. New Biggin, New Biggin, New Biggin. So, okay. So, we've established two, like, and I want to talk about later. Uh, like, so, so if, I mean, if New Biggin wanted Palmer involved, then all he does from then on is just try to, like, throw him under the bus uh, yeah. left and right. Um, we talked about how, I mean, we alluded to New Biggin's reporting of uh false information to the brain, but we get to actually see that when on the first mission that he takes Palmer along with, the brain instructs Newbigin to assassinate Anya mm-hmm. and he doesn't do so, but uh when the brain asks him how does the mission go? he says, yeah, I killed I killed them uh later in the film, he's gonna retroactively alter the brain's file again with the punch cards to say that he wasn't ordered to kill her at all but uh quick plus spy points for the brain it somehow did id her correctly as a soviet agent that should have been killed right
2: right. oh no that yeah definitely plus spy points that, that's the one thing that they didn't even point that out they were just like it was like cinematic feelsy like oh you want me to kill the girl i love not gonna do it you know Type of thing, but no, it, it, it I, I, be, I am totally one hundred percent on board with you. I believe that the computer correctly deduced that she was probably a Soviet agent or just an agent, and that she needed to be eliminated. And I, uh, I am ho- totally on board with that.
0: Okay, cool. Um, and the, so that's our first uh, instance of seeing that, like, Biggins not playing uh, clean with with the brain. Um, He then gives Harry some new instructions, and it's not clear where these came from. It's not clear to me. Uh, I'm sorry. Did I say new Biggin? Or new Biggin gives Palmer some new instructions to go do some I don't know, some mission with the Latvians or something. It's not clear whether those were instructions he got from the brain that he's passing along, or again, like doing his own agenda, but. He's uh Palmer plays ball. Like he does through the entire movie, you know, goes to the meeting. This is the, uh you know, the Latvian cousins,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know who I'm talking about? Yeah.
2: The ones that do the raid on the Russian supply trucks or
0: something. Right. Um, it looks like they just want him to, to take some photographs. Do they not understand? Do they, uh, they need to set up this complicated chain of
2: I, I wrote that same note. I mean, this had to have been a setup because there's What's no way here? that they have the camera and don't know how to use a camera. <laughs> right. I I don't I don't believe at any point anybody at that time that has a small camera like that doesn't know how to take pictures because it's not like they're asking him to develop the film they just want him to take the pictures so this is like an obvious setup so i think it might have been leo that just wanted to eliminate palmer for what reason i have no idea
0: and palmer should i mean palmer should have his hackles raised up like in what world do you send a secret agent to travel from finland to latvia just to press the button on the fucking camera for you
2: right And and all the other people just needed to be there to pretend it was a robbery. Mm-hmm. So I, I, no, I wrote that down myself. Like the, the the I don't know what any purpose of that was, other than getting uh, Colonel Stock involved. And Stock warns them, "Hey, get out of this organization now." And then the raid happens. Then they knew the raid was coming because all the Soviets show up to raid the raid, and they take Palmer in. You know, they, like this is this is where I think the director was trying to like mesh like uh, the man who knew too much with bond here. Cause this feels like the taxidermy scene in the man who knew too much 1956. Like it was just, here's a scene and then it's over. And like, what was the point of this? Like, this is just a red herring for the audience, but not a good one. I don't don't know.
0: Sure. And, and as, as you mentioned, like uh, this is possibly like a chance for new to eliminate Palmer. Uh, because at the end of the thing, like the one guy is going to try to shoot Palmer, uh, for no reasons that we can ever, ded- ever deduce in yeah. my opinion. Um, and that's going to go to, and I'm going to start collecting points. I don't want to talk about my number one worst until we've actually gone through all of these instances, but this is an instance. Uh, we have no idea why anyone, including new would want Palmer dead. At this moment, and we have no idea why anyone, including Stock, would want to keep Palmer alive at this point.
2: Right. <laughs> this is the point
0: where I wrote my forty-eight minutes in, and no fucking idea what's going on.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, again, Newbiggin is going to consistently, at every fucking turn, he's gonna he's gonna be Lucy. He's gonna he's gonna say, "Hey, come here, Charlie Brown. Kick the ball. Kick the ball." Charlie Brown's going to be like, okay, I can trust you this time, right? Oh, you can totally trust me. And then, no, you can't trust me. And he just betrays him over and over and over. And, and Palmer just never fucking uh, blinks an eye. That's new So now that's one of midwinter's big problems is that his main agent in Latvia is uh, a money sucking prick who lies like a rug. (laughs) But Midwinter's got more problems. He's even got more competent problems.
2: Yeah, far more competent. We're talking about stalking Anya, right? Take me in. So, I mean, I don't know how this was like a big twist at the end, because it was pretty obvious that Anya was on to something, But um, the idea is word gets out that these eggs have been stolen um, and stock has already planted on you way ahead of time. So he already knows about this whole thing. So it just shows like, you know, mad plus buy points to the KGB for like having people in places to get information so that you can see like the signals of something big coming, like someone coming in to attack Latvia with viruses. Right. Um, uh, so, th- 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 and J- stock, his plan is to just hit the eggs back and then he's just going to deliver them to Ross. Cause Soviet virus technology is superior, I guess. But then they don't actually get the eggs.
0: Yeah, don't so, get ahead of your skis on that yeah, one. Yeah, well, um, let's
2: let's skip let's skip that till the end. Um, but um, Anya's in place, and I guess her mission is to get the eggs, right?
0: Sure. Well, I mean that's that's one objective she could have. Um, as far as I can tell, Stock knows more than anybody else. Um, I think he gets the win for spymaster in this story. I think if you really look at it, like he's actually the hero yeah. of the story. Yeah. Um, like he's, he's the one that does everything that's needed to stop the bad thing from happening. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> but one thing he's done. So, I mean, he, he knows enough. We don't know exactly what he knows, but he knows enough about when midwinter's plans to have planted anya alongside new so yeah. he clearly knows about both the threat of the latvian attack like i think we should kind of assume that stock knows everything new knows
2: well i mean with anya there yeah absolutely right yeah. right
0: yeah. uh because new trusts anya so so completely as far as right. i can tell um so that's i mean we're we're hitting a uh, daily double here. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens frequently enough, and and I think we definitely should acknowledge. Yeah, this our both number one best trade craft is planting Anya I, for I think, sure. Yeah, I I think that's the. I think that definitely was just unquestionably the best trade craft of the film was just planting Anya in a place where she could get information, that, and that's how they discover about this like impending attack and shit's going to go down, well we need to stop it. Good job. This is this is actual national security tradecraft. Good job.
0: <laughs> right. And and not only is he smart enough to have deployed Anya, he's also smart enough to notice that Palmer has been dis- deployed and as mm-hmm. we just mentioned, uh he does stop in uh you know, okay, so this is what we just talked about where Nubigan told Palmer to go help the Latvians with a photography mission um, uh, you know he 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 knows enough about that to to stop in and warn Palmer like hey you probably shouldn't go there uh, again it's going to go back to my number one worst tradecraft of the film is I don't know why Stock is doing that because mm-hmm. Palmer is inconsequential at every fucking step of this movie <laughs> um I did want to give him a little minus by points for like uh the way he does it like you know uh, pretending to be a waiter having his russian uniform hidden in the tray climbing out the window all this stuff you know what uh stock there's you could just you could just pass him a note
2: yeah, you know? yeah, you're just showing off at this point. Right. <laughs> you just
0: want to be in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I enjoy stock. I enjoy yeah. this version of stock. I like the TV version much better. Yeah. But this guy is not bad. He's fun to look at.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's he's fun to watch. I, I enjoyed him.
0: So after Palmer uh ignores his warning, uh stock is still there to uh uh, kinda you know red cavalry for palmer mm-hmm. and uh and and save his life again, don't know why um they'll take him to uh you know another they'll they'll he'll have his men in black take Palmer to meet with him at a concert uh this is where we'll we'll also see uh Anya spotted here and she takes some pictures. Uh, which, which again, at this point in the movie, I was like, I still don't know what anyone's doing. These are the pictures. (laughs) These are the pictures though, that will later be used to discredit Palmer with midwinter. It makes it look like it makes it look to the rabid anti-Soviet midwinter. Like Palmer is working with stock now and we- those
2: orders probably came down through Leo, right? Because there's no reason why... Even though she's working for Stock, and Stock probably knows that she's doing this, I don't see any reason for Stock and Anya to want to incriminate Palmer to Midwinter. Um This has to be a Leo thing, because Leo... Like he obvious like Palmer got away from the idea that Leo was trying to kill him for no reason whatsoever, um, and now he wants to incriminate him to midwinter for no reason whatsoever. Oh, oh! So Palmer doesn't get half the money. That's what it is. That's, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's probably all right. That that's probably it. Palmer figured him out. Got all the information. Wants half the money, and now. Leo's trying to figure out how to get rid of Palmer. Okay, fine. All right, whatever. But I'm guessing the pictures in it to incriminate Palmer to midwinter were specifically Leo's orders. And I guess. stocks Okay. I agree.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Um, And also, I mean, I think it's just kind of plus by points to just like, I don't know, grab those pictures just in case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. uh, You don't necessarily need to know how they might come in handy later as part of a like 15 part master plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just, you know, grab a little, grab a little juice, a little incriminating evidence uh, on, on your supposed allies so that you can use it to betray them to your supposed enemies at a correct time. Yeah. Um, but, but I just, I, I definitely want to put a pin in on this is the first time uh that we have any clue that Anya is anything more than just pretty face right like she's doing something
2: right we'd suspect it but we actually get to see it
0: right right yeah. right um I mean that meeting happens uh this this uh Latvian guy Sonata commits suicide before stocks men can grab him and i don't care yeah. i don't even care enough to wonder why like or what was really going on with this mission i don't um, even know
2: what that guy was doing in the movie to begin with
0: i d- i don't either
2: he was a scientist i guess you need a scientist to deal with the virus and verify i think anything. well
0: i think it was the backup scientist like i think Carno right. was the main scientist and this guy maybe was uh His assistant or something that's kind of how i read it
2: well that kind of fits your theory about leo lying to the computer about killing karna uh because now they got a backup scientist that leo trusts right and you need i guess a scientist to verify the virus right
0: right yeah yeah someone needs someone with some knowledge yeah of of virology uh needs needs to be in play uh, but yeah, I don't know why Sonata's here. I don't know why uh, this is like a trap. It, 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 I don't know. I, I'm not even going to start thinking about it right now. I just like, I, I don't care about this guy <laughs> Yeah. Uh Something, something else I don't want to think about hard, but I want to mention is that at the end of this, like, you know, some, some kind of charade, like stock gives Palmer a ticket to Helsinki, and they both laugh really, really hard. Like they're sharing some joke. He's like stock oh. is like
2: Oh no no no. The, yeah, this ooh. came up this came really quick. When they uh when when Sonata's dead, um uh he says Stock says to Palmer, You're next, and then gives him the ticket to Helsinki. So I think the joke was that you're next is in you're gonna die. And then gives him the ticket. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Okay, that's,
0: that's, it's it's that's the it's joke. not as good as next time we meet. You should bring a gun.
2: No, not even close. <laughs> not even remotely close. Uh,
0: Stock himself doesn't have anything left to do uh, in the film except like wait until the end where he can like you know very smartly deploy bombers to crack the ice and like kill the midwinter army mm-hmm. um but uh you know anya's get, still got some moves she's gonna do um i guess did Newbegin go back to texas like a day before palmer maybe maybe not not sure it's super important but when palmer next visits anya now remember he's just come back or no wait wait i'm sorry this is when Palmer has come back and New, uh, Newbigin seems surprised to see him alive. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think Newbigin like, uh, kind of spells out some of the stuff, says like, the thing is, I'm working the system. Or I, actually, I don't think he works out the plan to Palmer, but, but uh, he just says like, there's a million dollars, you can have half. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then I got some other stuff to do. Blah, blah. Then Palmer visits Anya, who... Uh okay. Now it's time to mention maybe that uh you know uh Palmer and Anya made FaceTime on their first trip over like from Finland for no fucking reasons also she's like just just she's so weirdo.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: like she's so hard a weirdo. And and I really was annoyed when they just started kissing for no fucking reasons.
2: You're talking about on the snowmobile, right? When they first meet? Even before that,
0: I think they were kissing.
2: No, 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 no. When they first met. Um, and then there's the whole like, scene or shot or whatever where they're riding on the snowmobile. And they're having a grand old time. And then they just want to uh-huh. kiss. Yeah, she's just like a flirty type. Whatever. Yeah, it was weird.
0: Her last then, line in the movie is literally we would have had we would have made beautiful babies together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
0: don't understand where this I mean I struggle. I I feel like I have some insight but like dude, just the 60s weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sexually
0: very fucking weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, but here she's got an opportunity to say like, Hey, daddy's not home. So let's obviously jump into the sack and then I can try to kill you with a needle. Uh, and of course he notices, Oh, you're trying to kill me with a needle. Fuck you, bitch. And then she says, well, it was an order from the brain. Uh, (laughs) who's, who's given this order? Anya's, Anya's interesting to look at because because she's working for New Biggin but she's also really working for Stock. Stock, yeah. And and New Biggin also has that further complication of he's subverting the orders that he gets from the brain. So oh, there's like
2: no, it had to have been Leo. She gets the phone call that Leo's not going to be home. I think that's when he gave her the order to kill him. I think Leo knew that she was kissing Palmer. In, in that snowmobile scene and flirting with him. I think Leo kind of planned that whole thing out. For what reason? I don't know why was Palmer selected? Why was Palmer set up in the first place? Why did Leo try to kill him multiple times other than later when Palmer wanted half the money, right? Maybe he wants all of the money, but uh, yeah, for the like his 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 kill attempt failed. So now he's ordering um, Anya to you know, kill he Palmer. Says,
0: like, hey, and just in case he comes back alive, give him no. the needle.
2: No, he was on the phone. Remember, she okay. got the phone call, and okay. she was like, Leo's not going to be home until 6, and it's 5 o'clock, so you know what that means, right? I think we have Leo, a whole hour for sex. Yeah, I think that phone call was Leo giving her the order to kill Palmer because her expression changed as soon as she got on the phone.
0: Right. Okay. And that's that's fine with me. But her claim is that it was an order from the brain. And we know the brain can make phone calls. Right. Okay.
2: Oh, so maybe it was the brain on the phone then.
0: Right. But there's only three people that could possibly want Palmer dead at this point. And that's the brain, Newbigin, and Stock. Running him down, uh, the brain has no reason, it's incomprehensible. Stock just went completely out of his way to try to keep Palmer alive through a bunch of shit. Uh-huh. And once again, circling back, like New is the only person we can think of that wanted Palmer to be involved in this whole mess in the first place. So, again, why uh, would you want him dead at this point? And again, grist for the mill part of my Todd's worst tradecraft of this film which I am still going to conclude in a climax later in this episode <laughs> the problem is the problem is we don't know like Palmer's so inconsequential that anybody who wants him alive or dead or in or out there's no way to figure it out
1: yeah
0: okay and then uh, we also get the clue here, like, this is, uh, you know, because she tried to kill him with the needle. Uh, you know, we saw the same wound on Karna earlier. Right.
2: Yeah. So, There's, like, a pressure death point that she's using with the
0: right. needle. Uh, but we- I,
2: I do want to point out, um, I, I have in my notes, So, and I've been waiting for this moment to bring this up. Palmer goes to check on Dr. Karna, finds Dr. Karna dead, gets on the phone, and I'm giving minus spy points, for not paying attention while he's on the phone and two dudes just show up in a house behind him and knock him out. So minus spy points. Clearly he can't be aware of himself when he's by himself in a place. He doesn't know to the point where he's going to get kidnapped. However, he's super aware while he's getting pussy that she's trying to kill him.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, he notices for no reasons.
2: Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, I, I was a little upset about that because clearly he's not picking up on, clearly he's got like Leo's brains where he's not picking up on the fact that Anya's probably an operative, you know, and they're just kind of like fooling around, like, ooh, you know, time for saucy time. Um, and yeah, it, that kind of bothered me.
0: Now, uh, we're going to come to now our, um, third complication of midwinter. And by now I'm looking at the notes. I think we've covered a lot about this, but uh, we're going to go back to Ross and just cover some of his shit uh, that, that maybe we missed uh, again. Ross's wind condition. He doesn't seem to, or need to know about the Latvian invasion. He just knows that the eggs were stolen from a British lab. He wants them back. That's a proper objective. Uh-huh. Uh, To this end, he had recruited Dr. Karna within the Latvian Rebels. So if the eggs had gotten to Karna, Karna would have returned them directly to Ross. Again, that means that Ross can't know that Palmer is the courier, because again, you could just save a plane trip and just get the eggs right then yeah <laughs> um the only and 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 he did try to recruit re-recruit palmer into mi5 very coincidentally on this very same day that that palmer is being recruited by the brain to be the courier of the eggs the only reason that it can't be a massive coincidence is because somehow ross is uh, aware of Newbigin's machinations and thinks that Palmer would be useful for that reason. Again, I, I don't like that. It's it's big minus spy points for me. Um he does notice okay now Ross does notice Karna's death and Palmer's appearance in Finland. So even though like uh, at the beginning of the movie uh, you know, he he approaches Palmer, he says, Hey, I'll give you a raise, you know, come back. Palmer says, Fuck you, smell <laughs> you later. Uh, but but Ross doesn't like take his eye off the ball, we we presume, because that's the only way he could notice that Palmer has arrived in Finland and clearly notices Palmer's death or uh Karna's death and has his men in black tail Palmer uh knock him out i forget something like that maybe and Are like talking
2: take... about a carna's house
0: yeah right after yeah at carna's house
2: yeah he he had two guys because the beginning of the film that's when palmer was like no you're gonna have to have two goons kidnap me with a blackjack and that's pretty much what they do
0: oh, oh, oh i didn't catch that yeah holy <laughs> shit that's actually kind of funny Palmer told him Palmer told him if you want me back on the job you're going to have to send two men with a blackjack and that's what he did
2: Yeah except did did they shoot him with like a knockout? Uh, no, excellence. I think they knocked him out with a blackjack.
1: Yeah.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, let's assume that for right now because that's how I want to remember it. Yeah. Because that that is comedy. Yeah, uh to me. Um so he's gonna, he's gonna, now he's gonna strong arm Palmer into becoming involved uh, by by suggesting that he could be implicated in Karna's murder. Uh-huh. Um, basic plus by points. Sorta. But now the deal is now that they're in the car and he's like, okay, now you're working for me. Here's your files. Here's your information. Here's the codes you're supposed to use. And you're gonna report. Only to me. And guess what? Nothing of the sort happens for the (laughs) entire rest of the movie. There's no no operation. There's no plan. At no point does Palmer report back to Ross until the very end of the film.
2: When he brings back the eggs, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Minus five points. I mean, this idea that you just kind of like send a talented, sexy guy that can somehow magically woo women into their beds and just like throw them out in the world and and figure everything will work out right that's some fucking james bond bullshit
1: yeah right
0: and then i think we can uh i uh, we can finish up the eggs then um okay so we talked about uh yeah, the complications, the logical complications about like Ross knowing about the eggs, knowing about New stuff. Um I mean, once the eggs do get into New possession.
2: Mm-hmm. Again. Again? Or are you talking at first?
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, uh okay. from yeah, at first. Right, okay. from from the moment at first, like well, Palmer's job was supposed to get the eggs like why isn't he doing anything about it? Yeah. Uh he's just following along with Newbiggin's bullshit. And uh from then I think like we take the trip to Texas, we get all the exposition from midwinter. Mm-hmm. Um there's a bit of double crossing, that being uh I guess Newbiggin trying to throw Palmer under the bus for no reasons. Uh, Biggin trying to hide his tracks and escape uh, that makes uh, Palmer want to uh, uh, now at the barrel of Midwinter's Gun say that I'm the only guy that can get Biggin back for you in right. time I guess to stop him from warning the Soviets about your attack yeah Maybe to try to get the eggs back for you. I don't. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, you know, just to finish up the the story of the eggs. Uh, so the eggs went from Britain to Finland, to well, I guess just Finland, and then they stayed there uh, for quite a while and then Newbigin and Palmer were called away to Texas and that's why uh we want to talk about a very missed opportunity from Anya at this point right
2: yeah um Leo gets away with the eggs and meets Anya oh well actually I wanted to point this out I was going to talk about this in Harry Palmer's section but um my number two best trade craft was Palmer uh, convinced Midwinter to let him go by saying, I'm the only one that can get Leo. Um, And what he does is, uh, you know, Midwinter sticks like two cowboy goons on Palmer to watch him. And um, they go find Anya. um, And they're like, why are we going after her? And he's like, well, Leo's going to get to Anya. So that was my number two best trade craft um, was finding Anya to get to Leo. Uh, But... What I don't understand, um, because what happens is Anya shuts the door on them and locks them in and runs away to get to the train station. They got to go chase her. They get on a train. They find them, and they're taking Leo out. And my number three worst tradecraft, there's two cowboys and a Palmer, and they pull Leo off the train with the eggs, and Palmer tells her to stay on the train. Why didn't they leave a cowboy with Anya? Because what happens is, is when they get oh, out of the train, okay. when they get on, when they get off the train, Anya jumps outside the train and starts shooting everybody, kills both cowboys, and then um, you know gets gets Leo away and jumps on the train as it's moving away, and then we discover Anya is going to double cross Leo. She jumps on the train, takes the eggs, and then kicks Leo off the train. And then the question is: Is like okay. Well, when Palmer goes to the atrium garden the house thing, whatever they're at, um, to find Anya, she had the eggs, right?
0: Which should she, be important.
2: She she threatened to drop them. So why didn't she just take the eggs then? Like why why if her goal was to get the eggs. And I understand through this whole movie, she had plenty of opportunities, but maybe not, you know, she didn't want to blow her cover. Maybe she didn't quite have the best opportunity. Who knows? But at this point, she has the eggs by herself. There's no reason for her to wait for Leo. She can just leave, like, with the eggs. She's obviously a KGB agent. There's no reason. Yeah, why.
0: I, I mean, are you talking about as soon as they went to Texas? Because that's when I would have delivered the eggs to stock.
2: Well, I don't know when she actually got them back. All I know is after Texas, Palmer goes to find her because if he finds her, he can find Leo. When right. he goes to find her, she has the eggs. Yes. So I don't know if the eggs were stashed there, and she went to go get them, and she was supposed to meet with Leo. But my question is, why did she even meet with Leo to begin with? Why didn't? My,
0: she- and my question is, why didn't she uh, deliver the eggs to 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 stock? at an earlier opportunity like why even wait for leo to get in trouble and and come back like he's out of town you're alone with the eggs you don't have to necessarily take them back to moscow yourself you could, yeah, but like, did,
2: did we know that she had the eggs then well i mean she has
0: access you know
2: I, well i guess i guess if we believe that they're in the atrium then yeah she should have left while they were in texas the point is my number one worst tradecraft Anya should have just take the eggs and left. I, there was no reason for her to wait.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It definitely, uh, is, is part of my, uh, bad trade craft of this movie. I think we're just quibbling <laughs> on the timing of it. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I would have even gone earlier than, than she did. And you could just like send them to, uh, stock as a courier and just, you know, go down to the market and buy some fucking eggs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> put them in there. Yeah.
0: Uh, the only the only people that clearly have the uh ability to uh verify the virus contents of the eggs uh have both been killed. I think my other one is is misplaced in notes. Let's just talk about Palmer. Okay. Uh Wow. Uh I've alluded to it several times. Um but uh he is you know there's some video games where they just it it's just waypoints they just tell you where to go next, and then when you get there, like there's a little conversation, and then the game just tells you where to go next, yeah, and then something happens, and the game tells you where to go next, it's yeah, it's really boring, yeah, this is that
1: <laughs> this is exactly that yeah
0: um he's he's a complete observer. Uh he follows everyone's instructions fairly blindly. Every time Leo betrays him, he just like keeps showing up to uh you know let Lucy put the football in front of him again. Mm-hmm. Uh massive minus spy points. Uh he he just has no interaction with the story, and that is is bad movie making. But here's why it's it's it all condenses into being my worst tradecraft of this film uh kind of situation at no point like he's so inconsequential to this movie, whether he lives or dies, whether he's in or he's out, that nobody else's motivations can be scrutinized mm-hmm or 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 even held up to a standard of whether or not it would accomplish or not accomplish their objectives. Uh they're just taking shots at Harry for no reason. Yeah. At all. <laughs> uh it's this is a really this is a really good example of how to not make a good spy movie. Um you got to let your hero do something. There are characters that are doing fun stuff. Yeah. And and Palmer doesn't get to do any of it. Now, he does get... I mean, there's a handful of small things that he gets to do. And some of them are going to hit uh, uh, some good tradecraft for us. Uh, why don't you uh, give us some...
2: Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, at the beginning, part of the, I, I guess, um, what's it called, stipulations of picking up the the eggs was that they're like what? Is it, what is that? Like a coffee thermos? He picks them up in. Um, the computer tells him, "Don't try to open up the container because it's sealed." So, what he, does he do? He runs to like some shoe store that's got like this X ray. Look at I your feet it's at in an the airport, shoe. Actually. Yeah, but there's like a shoe store at the airport. Okay, or something. Or he leaves the airport to get to the shoe store, and then goes back. I don't know what it is, but there's some weird X-ray machine. I don't know if this was real back then, and if it was. Oh, that's right. They wanted to, they to
0: X-ray your feet uh, for like some health reasons. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. No,
2: it's to see if your feet fit in the shoe. Okay. So he puts the the container in the X-ray thing to see what's in it and he sees the eggs. Um and and that's how he figures out oh there's eggs in here. Uh <clears throat> I think that made your list?
0: Yeah, I mean I'll, I'll give plus 5 points for uh improving, you know, uh, an available x-ray machine to take a look at some stuff. I'm going to give it my best number 3. Mhm.
2: Um and and one of the other things he did he he noticed that Leo wasn't Karna and like follows up on stuff. I mentioned that as like um on, on my list. Uh,
0: right. I don't think he gets a lot of points for that because like um he knows Newbigan? Yeah. So the fact that he notices that this person is not Karna is is just kind of handed to him?
1: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a little bit where he peels off the phone number off the phone and realizes like he's not at the address that he should be at. Yeah, um, but it's 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 a little light. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't put it on my list.
2: Yeah, and then the next thing is to when you know when midwinter is about to kill him, he brings up like, "Hey, I know you can't trust me, but I can get Leo." And how he does that is like. Getting to Anya, and that made my number two best tradecraft
0: right i mean it's a it's a good play to definitely say like and and that'll be my number two best is like uh but I mean you know chips are down, you got no other plays to make uh you know, I'm the only one that can stop Leo, but Palmer's job at this point shouldn't be to stop Leo, yeah. Palmer's job should be to, uh, I don't know, eggs. warn some, warn, fucking warn Ross, tell Ross what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, definitely not let the eggs, you know, let not let the virus thing happen. Um, and definitely not let the, uh, midwinter start world war three all on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but catching leo I don't see how it fits into any of his objectives and I think Leo could just fuck off at this point that's me I did like though like okay but uh you mentioned you like the fact that i mean and and yeah without zooming out it's not bad that uh you're gonna uh if. You wanted to find leo which again i don't think you need to yeah. but if you did need to finding anya and knowing that she would go to leo which also though is bad tradecraft because you're misunderstanding anya's motives and she shouldn't be going to leo uh but if you're going to do that like there is one slightly clever thing he does plus five points is before he tells the the you know, cowboy thugs, the midwinter thugs that have accompanied him to Finland to let her go, he has confirmed uh, by taking a quick glance at her purse uh, what her uh, destination is. Yeah. So I'll give him a little bit for that. Yeah. And then he Jumps in a car with Leo, chases the convoy, and accomplishes nothing except nearly getting killed.
2: Yeah, right.
0: Did we miss any of the Tradecraft notes we wanted to talk about? I don't think so.
2: I think I got everything out I wanted to. (laughs) There might have been a couple little things, but the major ones I, 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 I got to talk about. Unless you got something else.
0: No, 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 no. I'm good. Let's debrief. all right agents please report for debriefing on this operation the director will see you now
2: what are your thoughts on the film (laughs) obviously we both did not like this movie
0: you are correct sir but i want to hear from you how much you did not like this movie
2: I did not like this movie whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, If I never have to see this film again, I don't think I will lose any sleep over it. Um, No, uh, I really was kind of annoyed specifically because there was a really good spy story in this. And from your notes talking about maybe the director's uh, ego getting in the way kind of bothers me um, because it seems to be a, a, a ongoing theme, you know, I guess in the industry that that can happen and why like great ideas can kind of like get destroyed. And there's a lot of money and a lot of work that goes in. Right.
0: I think there's a big distance between Saltzman and this director, yeah. like, like mental distance, you know, like you have to, before you start in on a project like this, you have to like have those meetings where you sit down on the couch and you really have long conversations about what this movie is supposed to be about and make sure that you're both seeing the same vision.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: and I don't think that happened here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to go pretty low. I, I think I, I think I've realized why our man Flint was a good parody. <laughs>
0: if nothing else yeah hold on i'm holding back a cough if nothing else if this movie has made you appreciate our man flint more yeah, yeah. i will consider it an acceptable mission success
2: yeah so i i think i'm going with a one on this because i think bec- i was really harsh on our man flint and i really didn't like it and it really bothered me and I didn't think it was that funny. But now that I've seen this film, I think there must have been a lot of spy films that have come out within like a window that R Man Flint had to be made, and it made jokes that I didn't get because I didn't see movies like this.
0: Dude, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. You're watching a parody of a genre that you weren't, you know, in uh uh bathed in.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think my only other one is Spies Like Us, uh, ironically. Uh, and my 1.5 is Spy Kids. And I will tell you this much, I think I would rather watch Spy Kids than this film.
0: Ooh, we're bringing the knives out, buddy. Because <laughs> Spy Kids sucks.
2: But it had moments, you know? It It had moments uh so yeah i'm I'm going with a one on this one
0: <laughs> wow um okay i mean it's definitely for me it's it's i mean it's so clearly below the three threshold like this yeah. is a bad movie this is a movie i don't want to see again um
1: <laughs>
0: uh i'm not i'm not as deep in the trenches as you uh there are a lot of movies that we have covered on this podcast where um and and you know it's I don't think it's any big secret like i I end up watching the movie like three four fucking times, right and you watch it once, and <laughs> a lot of times like I will like there's movies spy movies we covered that I like, and then over the course of writing all my notes and analyzing them my my enjoyment of the movie decreases,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: This is a rare example of the opposite happening. Uh because when I re this movie, I, you know, knowing knowing what I the problem with this movie is you don't know what the fuck is going on at all for half of it. Like it and makes not in no- a good way.
2: Like, you know, and not in a good way, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, this is a rare example of a movie that actually I kind of started liking more uh-huh. the more that I, I, I looked into it. And, and I think this movie definitely, uh, benefits from a second watch, but not enough to bring it up past a three. This is a solid two for me. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I think it's, I think it's, it, I guarantee you it's better on the second watch
1: <laughs> <laughs> now
0: that you actually know what, why anything is happening. Yeah. Um, but as, as a first watch experience, this is garbage. This is yeah. like, this is absolutely like a one, uh, a, even maybe a 0.5 for the first 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, but that's where I'll land eventually. It's a, it's, it's a two if it was on, and and my choices were what are some of my other twos if i was sitting on a on a couch on a sunday somebody said hey you want to watch spy Sorge or you want to watch billion dollar Brain?" i'd be like i don't know toss up flip a coin <laughs> and um yeah not not big fans of this movie, and by the way <laughs> it might get worse because uh you know those nineties movies they're there are a couple of made for the next movie we're gonna cover, which is uh oh shit, it's not funeral in Berlin, it's like last dance in Petersburg or some shit like that <laughs> made for t v movie Uh, Looks like maybe kind of a failed flailing attempt to revitalize the franchise that also uh, did not succeed. So probably not going to get better. I'm having a lot more fun talking about the TV series, which we both agree is excellent. Mm -hmm. Let's, uh, let's finish up our business though here. And uh, yeah, uh, my best trade craft of the movie. I like, I like improving an X-ray. That's clever, and uh, you know the improvisation is good. Even though, although he was told that the contents were alive, and I don't think you're supposed to X-ray live stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe he doesn't know that. Uh, my number two. I can find a new biggin. Don't shoot me. <laughs> And my number one best tradecraft and our daily double is, uh, you know, simply the fact that uh, Stock uh, put Anya into place. I didn't like everything that Anya did, but uh, we can both agree that uh, Stock is the spymaster champion of this movie. He's probably actually the hero of this movie. I think he's the only person that's actually responsible for anything happening good in this film. Um yeah, so I'm giving it to stock for uh putting Anya in place. Uh
2: my number 3 best tradecraft was um after Palmer finding out about the big, you know, score from Leo, he checks on Dr. Karna and discovers that he's been killed. Um good detective work and double checking your sources. Um my number 2 best tradecraft was uh <coughs> uh Palmer, you know, like you, I think we we hit our number two and number one together. But you know, he basically went to find Anya to catch Leo, and I thought that was good. Uh, my number one best trade craft was just the same as you: uh, stock planting Anya as a sleeper agent or a double agent for Leo. What about your worst trade craft?
0: Oh, had fun with this one. I had some I had some head scratchers. on which ones to include because there's some bad stuff. Um but uh yeah. Oh, oh, and my number two is gonna be so much fun to talk about because I think I think that's one we missed. And uh let me check. Oh yeah. No, didn't even make your list. Okay. Anyways, uh my number three is uh just how wholeheartedly Midwinter embraces Palmer into his organization for no reasons. Yeah. Uh, again, as an audience member, I was very happy to see some character finally explaining anything to me, <laughs> but midwinter don't do that shit. Yeah. Uh, my number two worst, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a combo. So this is the almost final scene of the movie and, uh, we didn't talk about it, so I'll describe it now. We talked about we loved like okay the uh, the midwinter's army, stocked you know they're they're roaring across the frozen sea of Finland. They're gonna invade Russia. They're gonna start World War Three. Oh my god! Uh, and the bombers instead of bombing the convoy, they just bomb the ice, and the convoy <laughs> just fucking sinks to its death. And that's awesome, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. It's that as Palmer, the sole survivor, and again, like, like just putting him into this pathetic role of simply being the, the observer of record climbs out of the ice. There's a helicopter comes to him. It's stock. What is stock here for? Not to give Palmer a ride. No stock just wants to say, ha ha ha. Hey, by the way, Anya was my agent the whole time. no reason for him to explain this. Also, here's back your eggs, which turns out to not be the real eggs. they're fake eggs and it's basically uh baby chicks. <laughs> it's basically stock flying all this way to play a practical joke on Ross yeah (laughs) which is dumb and my number two worst tradecraft would have been my number one in a lot of movies but uh obviously my number one is the uh utter lack of palmer's instrumentality in the story and and the way that it it just sinks this movie to its core like because palmer is not important Everything else is not important. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's the way I need to say it.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, Before I go to my worst, I forgot. We were so worried about holding the big joke at the end that we didn't talk about it. It turns out the eggs that were delivered to Ross were just baby chicks. And I I think that contends with me for worst joke and with our Man Who Knew Too Much 1956-like Last shot of a film joke was fucking terrible. It uh, is true.
0: It is truly the mark of a highly unimaginative mind.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, my worst trade craft. Uh, number three is not having one of the cowboy goons watch on you on the train. So she doesn't jump out of the train and shoot both the cowboys. Uh, my number two worst trade craft was just general midwinter, not having any Intel network or anybody or even just double checking on Leo to see if he's bullshitting him or not. Um, and then my number one worst trade craft was why didn't Anya just take the eggs? Why did she have to meet Leo at the train station? She had the eggs. Just take the eggs. That was your mission from what we and gather.
0: That, and that was very close to making my list. Like, uh, uh, for, on, on different timing as well. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like, look at your motivations of your characters and just tell them, like, ask them to do what they should do for their mission instead of like, I don't know, just showboating about how cool I am. Yeah. How sexy I am.
2: (laughs) Park benches. Yeah. Can we just say zero and move on? No. What? Zero? (laughs) No. um, There was a good amount that we liked, but there was a big amount that we didn't like. So I don't don't know. This should be pretty low for us. I I think the only legit one is just planting on you. What do you want? You want to go with like a one or are you you going to try and push me higher?
0: Are, Are you starting with a one?
2: That's where I'm starting.
0: Okay. You scared me when you said zero because yeah. <laughs> because like I said like there's a um I think there's a good spy story happening in this movie. It's just hidden from us. Yeah. And I blame the director. Yeah. Um I think, you know, new big I think the ideas going on with, you know, some of these triple crosses and multiple motivations and and especially like new biggins uh manipulation of the brain. Uh like I think there's I think there's cool stuff going on. It's just like I don't like th- that our hero didn't get to participate in any of it. Yeah. And so I don't want to drop the sp- that's why I have such a low rating for this film. But um Bench is I mean okay it's not yeah it's not a two Oh, There's man. a lot of
2: competent agents and characters that should not have made the mistakes they did, and that's kind of why I'm like this should be really low.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna give it the one. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna join you with the one. I I can't I can't try to push this up.
2: There it is, one park bench for the billion dollar brain. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, was fun to talk about.
2: No, definitely. It was very fun to talk about. It was not
0: fun to watch.
2: No. (laughs) And uh, next time, we're going to continue the rest of the Ipcrest Files show. And then following that, we'll be doing the 90s Michael Palmer film, which has eluded our name.
0: Yeah, Uh, something in in St. Petersburg.
2: Okay. Something in St. Petersburg. Coming in four weeks.
0: (laughs) All All right. David, what should people do uh, if they're tired of... I mean, if they love our Harry Palmer stuff, uh, they could tell us that we should do more Harry Palmer stuff, to which we will probably say... Fuck you. We're done. Uh, although we're we're still going to talk about the TV series. But uh, what uh, what what would someone do if they like this podcast? But there's a spy movie out there that we haven't talked about, and they desperately want us to.
2: Um, email us on the contact page at spieslikeus.net. Or uh, tweet us at Spies Underscore Like Us, or on Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash Spies Like Us Podcast. We would be ecstatic to hear from you, and we'll argue with you, or you can tell us we suck, or that you love us, or whatever.
0: And, uh, yeah, and, uh, always let us know if, uh, if we're allowed to, uh, read your emails or our reviews online. That seems to be something that people enjoy sometimes. Uh, another thing you can do, and this is possibly even more important than interacting with us directly, tell a friend, tell a friend that you like this podcast. That is how indie podcasts like this actually get any kind of exposure And if you don't like this show, tell an enemy that you love this show, (laughs) preferably on a park bench.
2: Yeah. Uh, Midnight in St. Petersburg.
0: Give them that misinformation.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you next time.
0: All right. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautix, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and Sound Effects from Freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at SpiesLikeUs.net. Editing
1: by Todd Hostetler.